We are talking about the Beatitudes. Uh, the Beatitudes are what Jesus uh, spoke about on the mountain, Sermon on the Mount in, in Cana and Galilee. And he was talking about uh, what it looked like for people who were filled with God to how, how they behaved, how they, how they uh, lived. I like illustrations because I think uh, they make complicated things or things that maybe uh, are less obvious, they make it uh, more obvious and they make it easier to comprehend. God talks about His Spirit like being fruit and He talks about when His Spirit is present, there is fruit present. Um, sometimes we're striving for things which is, is a kind of waste of time. Paul talks about ourselves being like a field or he says like your branches of a vine and all these illustrations actually... Um, illustrate people who are at rest because they can't strive, they can just be, so they can become. And so the fruit of God's Spirit is something that abides in you. God is described in John 15 as a gardener and he says he tends the garden and out of that garden things come. One of the things to ask ourselves is what kind of, an, what kind of a field and what kind of a garden am I? Uh, what kind of fruit is growing in me? And instead of actually, we get very defensive really quickly, very discouraged really quickly. We tend to um, struggle because we're not things. But and then we try harder, which is the most futile thing because it's only God who can do things in us. Why is this uh, about the, this is this is a symbol of the Beatitudes. And one of the things about God as well is that um, we can be in a tendency to get really complicated and we can also get into a habit of asking God to do things when he's saying, I've already done it. I've done the part that I'm going to do. There's another part that will happen if you do something in response. So I give you the fruit of the Spirit. and You can have this, but you actually have to peel it. You have to do something. You have to, have, you have to open it. And the reason I'm using this one is because not only do you have to do something, and very often you, you, you're, you're doing something and you don't know what's going to happen when you're doing it. So some of you, for instance, I invite you to Alpha and I invite you to lots of things and actually every time you just say no. The only thing you turn up to is a meal. And your spirit is actually obviously dying and your spirit is struggling but you give up to fear or you give up to intimidation or you give up to kind of, oh, I've tried that. And so you actually live in prison forever. And when you look at the Beatitudes, what we've been through, because I'm talking about the fruit, is you know, you <laughs> one of the other things we do, and this, these are just ways we tend to live, we tend to cherry pick. Well, I want this, but I don't want that, and I want this. And my, what I, why I'm showing you this is that you can't have one segment of this. It's all or nothing. You can't have. I'll have one segment of the orange. You see, there, there, are, there are about nine segments here, which are the same as the Beatitudes. And uh, we went through them, and we started with um, blessed are the poor in spirit. And we're talking about poor in spirit means. I recognize that in my own spirit I can't do much. I need God's spirit to help me. I need his spirit to complete me. In an egotistical world of where I will not trust anybody, I will do it. God helps those who helps them, helps God helps those who help themselves, which isn't in the Bible, it's actually lies. It's the blessed of the poor in spirit of those who actually start saying thank you and receiving the spirit in order that they can grow. We d we looked at um Blessed are the uh, what, are, what did we say? Those who mourn for the for, uh, those who mourn, and those who mourn are for those who who look at the world and look at their lives and go, Oh God, there is evidence in me and in them that I need you and we need you, and so I'm longing for your goodness. I'm longing for your presence. There's that kind of God-given sense of frustration or sense of dissatisfaction that uh, 
He gives us so that we actually desire more. It's one of the reasons, like your body, you get hungry. You could possibly have a body where you didn't get hungry and then you just kind of forgot to eat and then you died. But the body is built so that there's a natural upwelling of hunger and thirst. And in the spirit of God, that's the same thing. The human being has a spirit. There's a natural desire for purpose and meaning and, and direction and love. And we will meet it. It just becomes inappropriate how we often meet it. So we, we looked at that, the, the blessed are those who mourn, and then begin to mourn for the things of God and knowing the things of God. Blessed are those who, who are meek. Those are people who are yielded to God and so he can use them. The meek are not weak. Those, they just recognize their strength is in him. Apart from him, I can do nothing. I don't want to spend long on each of these. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's a deep longing for God's justice and reign. It's not a question of just giving up because life is hard. As Jan was saying, it's actually stepping up when life is hard and saying, but God, you know how much we need that? You know how much we need that in our own lives? Rather than living out of our circumstances and our depressions, so all we do is say, I'm tired. And if you notice that when you're tired, you, you, you're more tired and you're more tired and you're more tired because it's actually the hallmark of depression and isolation and everything else that goes along with it. Learning how to pace our lives is really important. That's another segment of hungering and thirsting. Then there is a being merciful we talked about, full of mercy. When you've known the, expression, the depth of God's love for you, you will not have any problem with being merciful to others. When you know the extent of how much God has tolerated with you, has put up with you, has actually uh, forgiven you for. And he doesn't measure you by your standard. He measures you by perfection. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he doesn't say that to cause you to be depressed. He causes you. He's just doing a reality check and saying, this is what you are and this is what I created you to be. The gap is immense. What happened? I'm sending Jesus to try and close that gap. And so these, th- th- this fruit, you see that the Beatitudes, these things in Matthew's fi- Matthew 5, are all descriptions of the character of Jesus. It's all descriptions of what it looks like for the Holy Spirit to live in us and then be expressed through us. And today uh, we've got one. And, and, and so what we can do is say, well, I, want, you know, I like mercy. I'm merciful. That's my gift. Uh, I'm poor in spirit. I, I, I'm cool with being weak. So he's strong. Oh, I, I'm not involved in the world. I'm just hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And that's like taking one. And you can't have one without the other because they all impact the other. They all complete the other because one on its own is incomplete. And then the one we come up to today is blessed are the peacemakers. For they should be children of God. And there are those of us who go, well, you know, I'm not very supernatural, so it's all a little bit you know, flaky to me. I like to, I'm, I have the, the popular one is I've got the gift of hospitality. When you're really scared of God's spirit, then the hos- gift of hospitality kicks in quite strongly. And you kind of, I, I have the gift of hospitality. Well, you might, but the God's spirit is still at work. We have to have a sense of humor to about our own fears and insecurities. Or I'm not feeling comfortable. Following Jesus demands that you deal with your own discomfort and you embrace it. If you're not feeling uncomfortable in following Jesus ever, you're not following Jesus. Because Jesus, by nature, causes discomfort as the kingdoms clash. His kingdom and ours. And it shouldn't be for long because he's building trust. So eventually, 
You don't have to struggle as much. You just yield. Because you've learned the struggle doesn't work. He doesn't give up. He doesn't change his mind. And what I'm setting you up for is, you know, I have the gift of hospitality. The things that, that I, I can touch and feel. And, and blessed are the peacemakers. I want to say pacemakers. But blessed are the peacemakers. He doesn't say blessed are the peace dreamers. He doesn't say the blessed are the peace prayers. He doesn't say the peace wishful thinkingers. He says the peacemakers. And I think what hits me hard as I prepared for this and as I reflect on this is that there is a point where God says, uh, listen to me. In the Alpha Course, in the last week, they talked about the Bible and they're talking about, you know, God speaks powerfully through the Bible. I mean, really powerfully. And every single one, we should be handling that book every day. Because way too many of our culture w uh, just go on emotions and are incredibly lazy. And this talk is going to be encouraging but challenging. So I'm just going to read you the Bible. Blessed are the peacemakers. You see, God has a hugely, hugely high value for relationship. It's the most important thing. He said, you can say whatever you like. You can have all the spiritual gifts. You, just, you don't have love. You don't have anything. You're just a noisy gong. And it's easy. Paul saw it in the Corinthian church. Oh, we speak in tongues. Yeah, but, 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 you know, and, and, and we do this and that. And he says, yes, you do. But so-and-so is sleeping with so-and-so. And there's all this stuff, this stuff going on. And then he says, if, if, if you don't have love, there is nothing. And I'm not talking about sentimental love. I'm talking about a love that is expressed. And I'm talking about a love that when some, I ask somebody else about you, they testify to love. Not you telling me how loving you are and everybody else says, I don't get it. I'm not, I'm not experiencing love from them. I mean, I think it was three, three years ago when they even asked me how I was. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this to lay down their lives for their friends. Laying down your life means when you're in the presence of somebody else, you say, how's it going for you? Not just a download of stuff about your life that's usually miserable and defeated because you're so absorbed in yourself. And God starts by saying, you see, when we do the worship, it's about let me love you so that I can love through you. You see, if, you don't, if the God's Spirit isn't releasing love in you for you and you are hearing and I am hearing you are my son, you are my daughter whom I love, whom I adore. You are, as Ev, Evie, Evie, Evie uh, said, was the pearl of great price. Unless that kicks in, you're going to live your life out needing everybody else's love because you don't have any of your own. You're going to call it compassion, you're going to call it healing ministry, you're going to call it prayer, you're going to call it all kinds of things. But it's obvious. And so God in the Bible begins to start saying, you know, there are there are things you can look for. If you walk into a garden, if you walk into the French garden over there, you can look at it and say, what are they doing? It's a vegetable garden. Why? Because I can see vegetables. And it's actually weeded. There are not lots of weeds. They're just vegetables. So part of the gardener, what he does is he starts taking out the things we don't need. Many of us are in love with the weeds. Well, it's foliage. Better than nothing. From a distance it looks all right. But the biggest one that God wants to grow in us is a sense of identity that we are his much-loved children. Because when you know that you're loved, you begin to have a strength to rise up in you to genuinely give and care for others without wondering what the payback is. Or you start saying, well, you're making me feel. You make me feel you know, this or that. And you go, I didn't make you feel anything. You just feel it. And I happen to trigger it. 
Learning to take responsibility for ourselves and what's going on. If you want to hear what God's saying in you, listen to what's happening in you. Listen to why, but begin to question, what's, wh- what's this about? Why am I responding like that? Don't blame anybody else. Stop blaming. In the name of Jesus, stop blaming. Take responsibility for your own life. Because you know what? Wh- when you've sorted out your problem with me, there's going to be somebody behind me who you're going to have a problem with. You're always going to have a problem with somebody. Well, that's why I don't go anywhere. I just like to, me and Jesus. And Jesus probably left the room a long time ago. He said, you're not that great a company, but I also am sending you out. I'm not actually wanting you to just be in isolation with me. That's why when Adam and Eve were there, and Adam was, it was just Adam and me, he said, hey boy, you need somebody else rather than just me. You need skin on. And it's always been that way. This is actually very, very good news. Because what happens to us is we get damaged, and we get hurt, and we get abused, and we, get, we put up our walls. And we put up more walls until eventually we're isolated and angry and despairing and not trusting. And then we're crying out to God and he wants to send the knight in shining armor across the moat and climb the tower. But what happens if we're bald? I heard, I'm going to, with a fairy tale, you know, about laying your hair down the tower and climbing up. Oh, never mind, lost you there. <laughs> this is total rubbish. But God sends people to walk alongside us and we're so into our own brokenness that we reject everybody who comes and then God doesn't care. Let's go through a few verses. Listen to John 14 because I really want to just highlight a few things that come out of uh, John 14. All this I've spoken to you was still with you. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You see, peacemakers can't make peace without peace. Peacemakers trying to make peace without peace try to change the environment and the organizational structures. And I'm not saying there's no room for that. But ultimately, Jesus is saying, I'm wanting to release into the world peace that the world cannot give. I'm wanting to release into people. Do you know what cancer is? I've said this before. Cancer is a cell that will not um, live in harmony with the cells around it. And so what happens is you don't try and get the cancer cell to coexist. You try and kill it. You don't work out a peace plan with the cancer cell. It's got to be destroyed or cut out. And what Jesus is saying through all we're going to read today is he saying, there is no room for cancer in my body. What is cancer in the body of Christ among us? It's negativity. It's I will not live in harmony. I will do my own thing in isolation. If the cap fits, wear it. Don't blame me. Can you tell the difference between a cancer cell and those that are in harmony? Of course you can. They're in harmony. They're easy to talk to. They're present. They're encouraging. They're contributing. The only thing that you will find me totally non-interested in is people who mutter away in the sideline. So if you ever come into my office and say, they say, I'll say to you, who? Well, I can't tell you. Then don't waste my time. I'm, I'm just not interested. I'm not interested in murmuring and cowards and criticism. 
in a place where somebody is not willing to be accountable themselves. As far as I'm concerned, it's just cancerous. Come in and start speaking about what's of concern. I'll be all ears. You see, we've got into the stage of God is love and God cares and he's so beautiful and gentle and he heals and we want to bypass the obvious, which is the relationships. There are many people who are sick and many people who are stuck because of the unforgiveness in their hearts and the relationships they have. And so there is no peace. I mean, if we went through one another now, and we're all a work in progress, so don't take this, you know, there's a difference between God's conviction and being offended. I hope we're learning not to be offended. I hope we're learning to actually own our stuff. If, it's, if this is jars with you, then pay attention to it. I have the glorious opportunity to share with you what God's saying. But don't shoot the messenger. Are you cancer or are you life? Some of the things that you're asking God for might well hinge on what lies deeper in you about unforgiveness and relationships. If you're living offended, if when you open your mouth you're passing on negative things about other people, don't be surprised if your body starts getting sick. Don't be surprised if you're, you're struggling with sickness. And I'm not saying everything is caused by one thing. I'm merely saying sometimes it is. Anger and bitterness I've heard for years and unforgiveness tend to lead to arthritis, for instance. They're, they're, they're people have linked things. That doesn't mean it's always that way. It just means the easiest thing to do is to itemize in myself my attitude and say, oh God, scare me if you need to, but help me to take responsibility for it. Does it make sense to you? Not if you don't want it to, right? But Jesus says, I want to give you a peace that's not like this world. He wants to give every single of one, one of us peace. Peace comes with his presence. His presence is friendship. Jesus with me is friendship. Holy Spirit in me is friendship. Don't worry because I am with you. I will never leave you. Thank you, Jesus, that you're with me in the circumstance, in the storm. I had another picture that I am just reminded of now last night. How many of us had power outages this week? Quite a few. What was that like? Good. So, so imagine, so, so when you have a power outage and you've got a st- we've got a storm coming right now, you know, now, tonight or tomorrow or sometime, there's going to be rain, 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 rain. So it might be an idea to have some candles around, right? It might be an idea to have a generator if you need one. It might be an idea to have some kind of preparation. I mean, the thing that will be most pathetic is the power outage goes out and you just shout and you get angry. Or, no, I don't have any candles. I'm just praying God will give me the light because Jesus is my light. You go, you're stupid. Or you go, you know, it's, I'm so glad to know that when we have a power outage, BC Hydro actually has teams ready because they're anticipating trees falling on... Because if we didn't want trees falling on lines, then we have to cut all the trees down. I'm trying to describe a world that is complicated and a world that actually is messy. But they make allowance for that and so they say, guys, you're going to be on standby because we've got a storm coming. And they have all the rigging and off they go. So you look on the internet or you look on your Google and you go, BC Hydro outage and it's it's under investigation or it's a tree falling down. You go, it's going to be fixed in two hours. And my brothers and sisters, God would say to you and to me, um, some of you have had power outages for most of your life. Circumstances happened to you and the wires went down and you haven't talked to me for years. And I am a God who actually repairs and redeems outages very quickly. But my desire and my heart for you is that there is power flowing to and fro all the time. 
And when the storms come, it's no cause for you to give up. It just means, oh, something happened. A tree fell over my line. Something happened. I lost my temper. Let's get up and start again. Peace is about saying, Jesus, thank you that though the power went out in my heart right now, it's going to come back on because you are faithful. And so my peace is in knowing. You know, I, you go to the hospital. I remember visiting Kiwi, and she says, I haven't felt God's presence or something. like I'm, I'm, I'm taking liberties for two days or something. I said, well, you know, it's not dependent on you, Kiwi. I'm making this up, but it's a conversation around a reality. I'm not, you know, it's not dependent on you. You can just rest in this bed because God has got you in his arm. So there are times where you can't do anything. And he says, that's all right. I love you. And I, I'm here for you. That's what I, this is all about. So you can have peace when you're not doing anything because it's not about you doing anything anyway. Am I making sense? Peace from the inside is trusting the faithfulness of God. Period. I don't feel that peace. It was the Father's... Jesus says in John 14, he says, I give you the peace not as the world gives. I'm not going to belabor it, but you know the kind of peace the world gives, don't you? What is the kind of peace the world gives? It's going to be cruises and holidays and money and no disharmony and if things are going wrong, I'm going to leave the circumstance because I'm not feeling peace. And then I do something and I say, oh, I felt such peace, but it was relief. And you you know the story. We've talked about this before. And the peace that the world gives is about making everybody happy, not having any conflict. The peace that the world gives is about, well, you know, I, I'm taking two Valium because it just helps me. And I was listening to post-traumatic stress syndrome on the way home the other night, and they said, you know, a gram of medical marijuana really helps me sleep. I'm not actually mocking that because I think there's, there might be some needs that, you know, I'm not saying there shouldn't be a room for medication. I don't think we need a marijuana store in every corner in Potaboni, but that's another matter. But smoking marijuana is not about finding peace beyond understanding. It's about dulling your senses so you don't figure out what's going on around you. Same with alcohol, same with pornography, same with any other addiction until it gets hold of you. You see, God never takes away your freedom, He never overrides your freedom. And so he says, I give you peace as the world does not give. I won't dull your senses. I will actually increase your sensitivity to me. And in me, you will find a peace flowing that even doesn't make sense. You can't understand it. You just know that you know that something's changing. I think Marianne hinted at that when you know, she had some stuff stolen from the marketplace. She goes, I felt something. You know, I didn't respond quite the same way. And those are little victories that you just keep building on. Colossians 1, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. That's a violent way of getting peace. Through the crucifixion and the shedding of Jesus' blood, all justice has been worked out and God releases peace to all who need it. He, he brought about peace through his blood on the cross between humanity and God. Therefore, if I don't have peace, it's not him who's got the issue, it's me. So when I don't have, a p- have peace, I need to call VC Hydro and say, I have an outage, can you help me? It's not on God's side. Instead of saying, some idiot down there did something to me and now I'm feeling this and it's not fair, God, do something. And he says, well, I could kill you because you're irritating me right now. Or I could tell you to suck it up and walk in grace. It's a word for somebody. <laughs> 
In Christ, a new creation, the old has gone and the new has come, reconciled us to himself through, the Christ, through Christ. There's a ministry of reconciliation. Let's get to the scary part. So the good question always is be asking, why don't I have peace if I don't have peace? Why don't I have peace? I love Graham Cook saying, why would you put off peace until tomorrow if you can have it today? See, nobody here needs to not have peace today. Well, when I've got a job, and then what? Then it'll be the owner of the place, or it'll be the person you're working with, or it'll be driving to work. It'll be something. Because you're just irritant. You just get irritated. You get offended. It doesn't really matter. I can look after this one, and then you'll just emote on this one. You notice that? (laughs) So what would it be like to start saying, Lord, I want to know your peace. So I'm going to tell you how he's going to help you. The next 10 minutes will change your life. I promise you it will. The problem is it's so, I want to say bloody clear, but that would be rude, but it is how I feel. It's so obvious, and it's so in our faces, and it's so promised by the scriptures, and it's entirely up to us, which is even worse because I want it to be God, you know, because I want to look spiritual. Well, if God will. Luke 10, Jesus sends out his disciples. He sent them out as lambs among wolves. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. In other words, don't trust in your own resources. Stay focused. Then he says this, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eat and drink whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. So there does seem to be a connection between the presence of peace and the presence of healing. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. In other words, take back your peace. You see, there is a thing about peace has to be given and peace has to be received. And I'm not responsible if you don't receive my peace. Paul says, open wide your heart to me. I've opened wide my heart to you. These things are all relationally driven. And we all have responsibility. If you don't want to receive, or I don't want to receive, then we hinder it. We become a cancerous cell. Oh, but Lord, ignorance is not bliss in the kingdom. It's stupid. There's principles in the kingdom. And we usually know when we're switching things on, switching things off, making excuses, not making excuses. We usually know. Peace can be given and peace can be resisted. Peace can be uh, rejected. We are responsible for that. One John, all of these guys talk about it because they all had to deal with it with Jesus. In one John, he starts off, first of all, chapters one and two, he talks about the life appearing the life becoming flesh, we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard. Then very quickly he goes into, if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies from all sin. John is really clear. If we say we know Jesus and his love lives in us, we better get on with each other. I'm gonna, we're going to get hit hard at the last one that, that uh, Ken read. But God's very, very clear about this. If I live in you, you will get on with one another and you will work your stuff out. It's really, really simple. And if you don't, then there's ramifications to that in your own life, in your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. 
but Lord, you don't understand. I do. Believe me, I do. Do it. Aren't you glad you came today? If we claim to be, uh, if I, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all right unrighteousness. The thing that is so cool that we love is, Lord, when I screw up and I come to you and say, "Please forgive me," you say, "Yes." Then He says, "So why are you holding on to so much unforgiveness for other people?" I mean, if you love the way I forgive you, how come you're not a conduit through whom I can forgive other people? How come reconciliation isn't just part of your name? How come when people are in your presence, all they hear is about what's wrong with other people or you have issues with them? Who the hell are you? You're too alive. Drop dead. Or, God, what are you saying to me about me? My dear children, I write this so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We have an advocate who is Jesus. What does an advocate mean? An advocate pleads on behalf of the guilty one. So, so, so Fred is standing up here as the Holy Spirit. Whenever I mess up, the advocate is saying, John, you, Jesus, you took it. He actually, we talked and he's, he's forgiven. Our problem is, we saw this in consulting. When, when we look at other people, we find it easy to accuse them and we find it easy to, you know, to, 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 to speak evil of them. We find it easy to say they should know better, yada, yada, yada. And then when we are the subject of the same accusation, but, but you don't understand, I had a bad day and my job's bad, and da-da, we make excuses for ourselves. And God would have us be gracious to others as we would be gracious to ourselves. You see, our hearts are being made new. And he's wanting to get these segments all growing healthily. Not just one or two of your favorites. Because it doesn't work like that. His desire is that, you know, how many, how, we're, we're praying for Port Alberni. Oh, poor Lord, send your spirit out on Port Alberni. He says, I'm trying, but it's like we need rotor root around here. All the Christians are plugged up. Prophetic word. I keep flushing and they want me to do it and I'm saying I'm doing it through you but I can't get through you because so many attitudes in you are plugging up and you won't do this and you won't do that and you won't do this and this is the wrong time of the day and these are the wrong kinds of... By the time you're finished, there's nothing to do. This is the basics of the Christian gospel. Love one another as I have loved you. You see, he says in verse 7, Dear friends, I'm not writing a new command but an old one which you have had since the beginning. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know what they are doing because the darkness has blinded them. You don't need to be a rocket science to work that out. Take responsibility. Let's take responsibility for our relationships and our, and our issues. And let's realize that actually we're going to have these things all along the way of life. So the better we get at keeping short accounts and communicating with one, I couldn't care if you're an introvert, an extrovert, or anything in between. You're still responsible. And it's not a threat. It's just if we want to see the power of God at work here, we have to host his presence. And if we're going to host his presence, we've got to be actually learning what love looks like, what servanthood looks like what laying down our lives looks like, what taking responsibility for ourselves looks like. Because if we're always just saying, Lord, heal me, heal me, heal me, then if people come in to be healed, we're so obsessed with ourselves, there's nobody to pray for anybody. Because we never get off this first square. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be the children of God. And so you have this picture in, 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 in Matthew. I end with this. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. How will this go down? If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established. seems to be important. If somebody has an issue, go and see what it is. And if they don't listen, take two or three others. It wasn't just, well, we tried. And they, they, they're just believing what they believe and we're believing what we believe, so we're just going to live with the cancer. He says, no, don't. You go take two more. You go, this is getting pushy. He said, why should I allow cancer to grow in my body when you won't allow it in yours? Why should I allow you to fester and complain and hide in silence and, and, and poison my body when if you had cancer in your body, you would be going to get treatment straight away? Do you realize how passionate I am about my body? Do you realize how passionate I am about what Jesus did on the cross so that my body could have life? And so, yes, if you see each other walking astray, go after them and go after them again. And if they still persist and they stay in the body, then you bring them publicly and say, Joe is in rebellion right now. I'm telling you that. Well, John, that's very judgmental. You shouldn't do that. Joe is in rebellion right now. I'm telling you that. We love Joe, but this is not going to carry on. How would that go down? But that's working this out. It's because I don't like Joe. Just Joe isn't a free agent. And no, you can't do whatever you please. Living in harmony means we're working it out. It's not about control, because that's the other accusation. As soon as you get heavy, then it's controlling. No, it's about walking things through together and all taking responsibility. We do that, you will see healing released in your life and through you in the lives of others. If God plants his seeds in us and nurtures and grows them, and guess what? It's in the context of the community that actually God does his gardening, his weeding, his trimming. And yes, sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's awkward. Sometimes it's, I'd rather not go. But if you want to see the presence and power of God, pay attention to the relationships and you will have and we will have a peace beyond understanding.